Welcome to episode 175 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who, as of this episode dropping, is in the lovely city of New York City? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in New York. John Scott Sloat. Now, Matt, I'm always in a New York state of mind. So. Obviously. I wasn't aware. Are you, are you from the New York area? I, I, this has never come up in our conversation. Really? Yeah. Are you serious right now? <laughs> you got to be joking with me. <laughs> I might drop that into the next episode where we talk about things. Oh, that, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> I think anybody who's around you for any significant period of time knows that you're from the New York City larger area. Yeah. yeah Long, Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. Mm-hmm. Okay. As many people are, it's a very it's a very populous place. It is. It is. So, John, we're doing something uh, a little bit unusual. We're recording this episode m- literally moments after we recorded the last one. Zero time has passed for you yeah. and I. Yes, we've done no wardrobe changes. No wardrobe changes. We did walk a lap around the seminary building, and you refilled your coffee. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what is it? you can't have a podcast without a cup of coffee. Correct. Correct. And uh, the reason for this, of course, is both of us are traveling. Mm-hmm. You are helping to lead a student trip, uh, a, a, a trip of Grace students to New York City and surrounding areas, right? Yep. Yep. And I, when this episode drops, will be in London. Nice. So May 9th, what will you be doing? Lord willing, of course. Obviously, things can change. But yeah. do you have a general sense well, of what uh, your itinerary is going to be on that day? So we're staying at the West Side YMCA. Wow. Okay. So the YMCA in New York City has hotel rooms, huh. but like a shared bathroom sort of situation. Yeah. Uh, cheap accommodations, which was lovely yeah. for us. Uh, this particular morning – I've bel- got the song in my head. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, this particular morning, we are getting on the subway, and I think we're doing like an hour-long subway ride. We're going all the way down to Brighton Beach um, in Brooklyn. Uh, do you know? I don't. Uh, it's Russian. Ah. So we're – like my co-leader who speaks Russian, I believe. She does? Yeah. Uh, keeps, I had no idea. Keeps going like, I need this food. I need this food. I need this I need this particular Russian dish. I'm like – Sure, let's I go. Have no idea. So she would. So she studied at uh, uh, Princeton, mm-hmm. and so you know New Jersey, not not super far. Yeah, uh, she would go into the city, and she would tell me like she'd go to Brighton Beach, and these Russian men are looking at her going foreigners. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll be there today, uh, and then. Um, I think we're going to a Russian Orthodox church uh, there as well. Uh, and then I think we'll be doing a dinner in Little Italy. And then I, I actually have an off-Broadway show I'm going to with our students uh, this very night. Okay. So it's a packed day. Yeah. Wow. Um, actually, and when we booked the tickets, I thought – uh, they had somebody famous who was in the show, but they ended April 30th. So it was mm. Maud Apatow. That's Judd, Judd Apatow? Apatow's daughter. Oh, okay. Um, he named his daughter Maud? Maud, yeah. That's such an old person name. M-A-U-D-E. Yeah. Maud Apatow. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Um, Well, that does sound like a full day for you. Yes, yes. Uh, And the show doesn't start till 7 p.m. Which is basically your bedtime. It's just a two-hour show. Yeah, we're basically – I think we're actually putting like a curfew for our students at like 10 p.m. Uh-huh. because both myself and my co-leader are early to bed, early to rise people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so in the city that never sleeps, I plan to get eight hours. Yeah, good luck with that. And and where will you be? And what will you be doing? So on the 9th, we will actually be um, arriving because, of course, they oh, are – you're not leaving till Monday. We leave Monday. Oh, Okay. So we get in like 11, 11.15, I think, London time on Tuesday. So that's – A.M.? Yes. OK. Uh, so really this day is going to be getting just logistics, right? So you know, you get in to the airport, buy the SIM card, yep. things like that, uh, take, the, uh, take the public transit to the Airbnb. Are you doing the tube? Fun in the Heathrow? Yeah. Where in the city are you staying? Uh, near – not far from Stratford. OK. So kind of northeast okay. of the of the downtown. And uh, so we're going to you know, check into the Airbnb and then do some stuff around the Stratford area uh, because by the time we get all that done, we'll have like – the last chunk of the afternoon. Dinner. Yeah, it's going to be like three, four o'clock yeah. before you actually get there and yeah. settled. And so we're going to walk around the area um, near Olympic Stadium. Oh, for yeah. the 2012. Yep. Nice. And there's some nice. Uh, there's a park there, and there's some nice shops and stuff, and there's a good place to eat. So we'll end up eating there, and then settling back in. Uh, I'm guessing most people will probably be relatively early to bed that night because the jet lag will be. Oh yeah. Kind of kicking in a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's where we'll be. Yeah. Nice. So looking forward to it. And then the following day will be our first day downtown London. So Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So um, since we are recording in advance. We have no sports. We have no sports. Yeah. But before we get to that, we do want to tell you that if you'd like to get in contact with the show. Oh, goodness. We skipped that, didn't you we? You can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. Email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. You know the drill. Five-star rating. Leave us a review. So talk to me about London a little bit more. What all are you doing in London, um, maybe different from our uh, trip in 2019? Well, one big difference is uh, we're taking a day trip to Oxford. Okay. And we're going to do – we've got a private tour guide who's going to – do a tour with us of key sites connected with uh, Tolkien and Lewis. Nice. Uh, and so that'll be that'll be a cool experience there. Okay. Um, and then anything you're doing again that we did previously? Um, well, I mean, you got to hit kind of the big sites. Yeah. Right. So we'll do the Buckingham Palace, Westminster Abbey. Will you do an, an evening service? An even song service? I'm not sure yet. Okay. Not sure yet. Uh, Stop by the Globe Theater, Shakespeare. Sure. Um, St. Paul's Cathedral, we went across there. There's, there's Remember we went across uh, the Millennium Bridge? Yep. And it had yep. that big open area where there were the outdoor ping pong courts and oh, yeah. all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, that was a fun area. Of course, you know, London, London Tower, Tower mm-hmm. Bridge, all those sorts of stuff. Uh, and we are going to go and we're going to eat. We're going to eat lunch at uh, Borough Market. Do you remember that? Yeah, the underneath the bridge. 
Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was yes. great. Yeah. Tons of options there. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, we're going to go to Brixton. Remember oh, the, yeah. That remember was that awesome. Great food court that was there with the shipping containers. And then oh, yeah. um, just a great, uh, highly diverse, multi-ethnic area in those shops areas and that sort of stuff. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. That's that's the first couple of days there. Nice. And uh, my friend Ben is going to join us. Nice. A native Brit taking us around for the for the first day we're there, first full day. Okay. And we're going to have him talk a little bit about the state of Christianity in England. Are you going to Spurgeon's church? I don't know that we're going to do that this time. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Might stop by the outside, but not necessarily go in. Last time we went to a service. We did. Went to a Wednesday night service, I think. Yeah, that was a wild time. It was. All right. Um, so we are at the stage of the year where it's time for us to announce for the very first time our summer read. Which feels wild because it's 40 degrees outside right now and <laughs> rainy. It's so disgusting. Like yeah. yesterday I was driving in my car and ice was bouncing off of yeah. it. Like it was, it was not Gross. fun. Gross. But we are doing another summer read project um, and we are going to be reading – a book by Brian Rosner called Finding Yourself, Why Looking Inward is Not the Answer. And we will have a link in the show notes where you can check that out. It's a book uh, published by Crossway. Um, I think it is a very readable – You know, if you think about – we've talked on this show about um, kind of Carl Truman's work, um, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Big, thick book, not the mm-hmm. easiest to slog through, but really important, uh, dealing with how people think about identity formation and who they are and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, This is a much more ground-level, um, user-friendly hand to a uh, – maybe a late high school student or a college student even and say, you can read this and this will be super helpful for you. So that's going to be our book. For the summer, how to find yourself, why looking inward is not the answer. And knock on wood, we'll have him as a – We are working to get him on. I, I do have a commitment from him in 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 principle. Yeah, a soft commitment. Yes. OK. We, but that was a while ago. So now I need to you know, finish. The and where's he located? He is in Australia. I think he's in Melbourne. OK. So – At Ridley College, I believe. So – Negotiating that time difference for a recording, what's that going to be like? Well, well, it's like 16 hours I think, isn't it? I mean we were there, what, seven years ago or whatever? Was that seven years ago? My goodness. It was 20, um, 20, six years ago. It was 2017 we did that. Um, I think it's like 16 hours. So uh, what time of day are we going to have to record that interview? Um, is, that a, is that a morning? Well – Actually, if he did a morning, we could do a late afternoon, I think, okay. the previous day. Something like that. We'll okay. figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. We'll have our people talk to his people and okay. negotiate that out. So uh, looking forward to that. I think it's a good mix of applied theology but also practical application. And I think especially if you work with either high school students or college students or even just – or do ministry in general or even just thinking about how do you think about your own identity? What goes into that? 
I think this book will be So helpful. basically, if you engage with living humans, yeah. you should read this book. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. Absolutely. So there it is. That's the summer read for this great summer of 2023. 2023 summer. Hmm. Yeah, that's what we're doing. All right, John, you ready to move on? Sure. Well, in light of us announcing the summer read, we thought we'd do an episode on the discipline of reading. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure entirely where we're going to go with this. So be free-flowing in terms of conversation. Yeah. Connected to reading. Yep. Why are you pro-reading, John? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I can read, so <laughs> might as well exercise that that yeah. that gift. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I. I mean, I'm. I'm always curious about other people's reading habits, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I've ever heard you like outline your reading habits. So, um, obviously, your situation is unique because, in part, you read for a living. Yes, that's true. Uh, so what's what's your reading habit like? Uh, what do you do when you hit hard times or what, times when you don't want to read? What 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 is that like? Well, I think um, I I would say um, because of the nature of my job, I have to kind of delineate out kinds of reading. Um, I have to separate out reading that is for my um, academic life, staying current in my field from – Would you mind giving an example in each of these categories? Like what's an example of a of a book in the last year you've read that's in that, that category? Um, well, I mean realistically, uh, one area is certainly uh, the area of biblical theology – so I read um, Sam Amati's book uh, from Prisoner to Prince on whether basically on whether Joseph is a type of Christ. Okay, um, which very good read. Enjoyed it immensely. Um, but I think of that still a little bit more as my academic life. Yeah, that's a. Is that in? Uh, it's the, in the New Studies in Biblical Theology. Okay, series. so that's more of a monograph, more uh-huh. more academic. Yep. Yeah. So that'd be an example of something that would fit okay. into there. Um, you know, I also, you know, one that comes to mind is I read a book uh, on five views of Christ in the Old Testament. Okay, we have different scholars explaining their perspective on how to make a connection between the Old Testament and Christ, and you know that that tends to be a little bit more technical in its approach. Um, so yeah, I mean those those kinds of things are more in the academic category, uh, just to keep current in the field. Yeah. Uh, Jim Hamilton's book on typology. It's like a 250, 300-page book on typology. Uh, That'd be another example of – And for that category, for that academic category, are you like, I have to read that first thing in the morning or has to be sort of a mid-afternoon, post-lunch sort of thing, mid-morning? Most of the time, that stuff gets done in the evenings. Okay. Um, I will sometimes try to squeeze time in. In the afternoons, um, especially later afternoon after I feel like my energies are tapped when it comes to producing things Hmm. and this is more consuming something. So those are times that tend to be better for me in terms of reading. Okay. 
Um, Reading anything or specifically that category? Specifically that category. Okay. What other categories do you have? So you got the academic sort of Mm -hmm. staying current. What else? I would uh, say a big category is simply pleasure reading. Um, and and that tends to be more fiction. Okay. I didn't really start reading fiction until probably after I finished my PhD. Hmm. Uh, and then even then, it's probably a little time after that. So um, one of the great things about fiction is I think it expands your imagination. Mm-hmm. And it just opens up um, areas of your mind that nonfiction doesn't. Uh and again, I, I read a range even within that. So I will read classics like Steinbeck's East of Eden. I knew you were going to bring up Steinbeck. I love, you love Steinbeck. Well, I love East of Eden. I think Grapes of Wrath is is uh, is great as well. Um, but East of Eden is in a class by itself. Uh, so I do read classics like that. Um, I like some some of Dostoevsky as well. Like the Brothers Cosmov uh, or like yeah, Karamazov, and uh, uh, he wrote a book. It's super short. It, it might be a hundred pages. It's called "The Death of Ivan Ilovich." Okay, or Ivan Ivanovich. I can't remember his last name. Again, the Russian names get tricky. They do. I really struggle with Russian names. Um, but man, it's so good. Yeah, so Dostoevsky is another of the of of these sort of classic authors that I like to read, hmm. and then I read modern, um, uh, almost very not I want to say bottomless, but like mystery thrillers that are eminently forgettable. Okay, so it's the equivalent of kind of like the the junk TV, but just not watching TV. Okay, so crime thrillers, that sort of stuff that some are better than others. I crank through them and it's just a nice way to kind of ease the mind down towards the end of the day. And what's your what's your opinion of audiobooks versus paper books? And do audiobooks count as read books? They do. They count. Um, that was quite definitive. I yeah. was expecting a little bit more of a battle on no, that. No, I mean I still think in terms of ability to process information – the written page far surpasses hmm. the uh, the spoken word hmm. in part because I just think it's more demanding. It demands more of your focus to have to look at a page and move your eyes across words than an audio book, which is just – I mean you can literally be doing any number of different things at the same time. You can be driving. You can be exercising. Sure. You can be mowing the yard. And so I think – in fact, I have a hard time just sitting and listening to an audiobook. Do you do that? Like literally just sitting and listening to an audiobook, not doing no. anything else. No. Because I, I know you listen to audiobooks. Yeah, that's not that's time I'm not getting back. I, I if I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm doing something else. Yeah, you're mowing the yard, you're driving. doing a project around the house, you're yep. driving, you're doing something. Um I I, I cannot just sit mm-hmm. and listen to a book. No. So um and again, if the purpose of the book for me, for audiobooks, they fall into kind of two categories for me. One is it might be something like if it's a nonfiction book. Like I mm-hmm. just recently, I'm almost all the way through uh, Tony Reinke's book, uh, Competing Spectacles, okay, about technology. Uh, 
I'm list, I, I've listened to it. It's more for me just to be aware of it mm-hmm. and have a general sense of what's the book about, catch some key ideas and then move on. Yeah. So that I have a kind of in the back of my brain um, category for if someone wants to know about what should I think about technology as a Christian? Well, Tony Reinke is one of my guys that I go to and I think, OK, you need to read him. But I don't necessarily want to devote the the kind of time necessary mm-hmm. to do the deep dive. Yeah. So that would be an example of a nonfiction audiobook that I would listen to and go, I really benefited from that. But I won't pretend to have you know, gained a ton of detailed specifics from it. Mm-hmm. And I also will read um, like – I should say listen to biographies or like memoirs. Mm-hmm. Um, those can be really enjoyable in an audio uh, context for me, especially on trips. If I'm going on a trip – like a good road trip, having a good audiobook like that to yeah. listen to that, oh, yeah. that, that keeps keeps your interest. It's a story, so it helps pass the time a little bit more quickly. That'd be another category of audiobooks for me. Okay. So, what about you? Um, uh, yeah, as far as audiobooks go, it's mostly almost exclusively fiction, uh, where I'm mowing the yard, doing doing mm-hmm. something, and I just yeah. Want a good story to listen to, the mystery thriller sort of genre or uh, even the fantasy genre I can I can get into in an audiobook. Um, some of the like some of the uh, I'm trying to think like uh, popular level Christian books I can get mm-hmm. I can get into in, a, in an audiobook if I have like a drive coming up or or yeah. some Something again, not doing the deep dive, but yep. wanting to be aware of the book and some of the yep. arguments that are happening. In it. I can do that. Biographies I can often do. Um, now, do you listen? What speed do you listen at? Regular speed. Do you really? I don't listen at t- yeah the one point three or one and a half okay. or anything like that. Nope, I listen huh. to regular speed. Okay. Nope, regular speed for me. I've ne- I've never even experimented with really? with speeding it up. Nope. I haven't. But it's so much more efficient. I'm sure. I'm sure it's much more efficient. And your brain is certainly capable of processing information at the 1.2, 1.3, even the 1.5. Maybe humans broadly, but not this brain. Um, <laughs> no, I just I just haven't experienced – I mean some of it is – some of those fiction books I really savor yeah, um, as yeah. I'm reading them. So. Sure. Sure. Uh, like if I'm doing Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter's, I, I, like yeah. I really want to savor those. Yeah. Um, but if I'm moving through like like a Luther biography, I just want to make sure I don't miss anything as sure. I'm as I'm listening to that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. And then and then my job, I I feel like I'm stealing money if I read on the on the clock. Mm-hmm. So mo- most of my reading happens between the hours of like six a.m. and six forty-five a.m. Really? Um, and sometimes in the evening. But yeah, it's. 20, 30, 40 pages if if I get that far in the morning mm-hmm. and and that's that's most of my reading. And so I just am taking chunks out of books every yeah. day. Uh, and that's that's kind of what I have time for. Okay. Um, that and audiobooks. So that's right. that's and I had to develop that discipline. Like that sure. that what that that sort of like waking up early in order to read wasn't a wasn't a uh, wasn't a discipline that I just naturally had. 
Um, like I, I think where you and I differ is I'm not a natural reader. Like I did not mm-hmm. grow up going like, let me stick my nose in that. Um, but it had to be like I had to learn and learn to come to reading well. Okay. Did I, you grew up with your nose in a book, right? Yeah, I've always enjoyed reading. Okay. And so that's never been, um, never been a struggle in that sense. Um, but yeah, I um, when it comes to having to make time, I I do find that I one of the signs that I'm too busy is that I'm not reading enough. Hmm. I realize, yeah, I'm I've got too much on my plate here if I'm if I'm not reading as much. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for me having also a bit of more of a game plan of having a list of books like, okay, I, this is next. When I finish this either academic book or whatever, I'm moving on to this, then I'm moving on to that. Do you use an app or anything to track your reading? Not really. Um, I I have a, a section. Um, I, I've I've not really like I have a Goodreads account, but I just I I just never get around to the sort of like okay, I finished a book. Let me write two or three sentences on Goodreads about it. Just never got around get around to it. Do you, I, now I know you highlight. You're a pretty ferocious highlighter. Yeah, nonfiction books, obviously not fiction. Oh, right, 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 right. Uh, do you write in? Do you like ink in? Uh, ideas or thoughts? Well, and this is where it gets back to, in one sense, levels of reading. Yeah. Um, a lot depends on how important I think the book is. Hmm. If I think the book is important for my academic discipline or even just my interests or my own scholarship, then I will not only highlight but then make marks in the, in the margin and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, – there's plenty of books that I read that I do highlight, but it's just more to kind of keep in flow, keeping track of the flow of the argument. Mm. But the highlighting does help me go back. Like when you revisit the book. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So five years from now when I go back to it and go, oh, that book – I know that book had something to say about this. Hmm. It's easier for me to find based on highlights of, oh, OK. There it is. It's on page 37 in that section on this. Yeah. So – Makes it a lot easier to find that way. Um, there was a season where I was trying to summarize each chapter with like mm-hmm. a sentence at the end. Yeah, and then when I finished the book, go back and read those chapter notes. Yeah, and then writing some of the big takeaways in the cover, and that just it takes too long. <laughs> it takes too long. Well, and that's that's part I think of maturing in one sense as a reader is to figure out at what level is this book worth my time. Mm-hmm. And not every book is worth the same amount of time. Yeah. Uh, so I have plenty of books. You know, there might be you know sort of generic books on the Christian life that that come out, and I think that's probably going to be reasonably important or well known. I should probably have a general sense of what's in it. And so what I will do is I might spend twenty to thirty minutes skimming it, hmm. read an introduction. Read intros and conclusions, skim the structure of it, and just get a basic sense of what that book's about and what it might yeah. offer, and then move on because I just don't have time to read every potential. But that way, if somebody asks me, "Are you familiar with this book?" Well, yeah, I'm familiar with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you what, what do you want to know? 
And then typically that's enough to give me a sense of I could probably recommend this book or give some sort of generic, yeah, I think that'd be worth checking out. Or actually, I don't know that'll be very helpful to you. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I am I, – I remember when I was a PhD student and having to do – prepare for the oral comprehensive exams, which is basically um, they give you like this 20-page bibliography and they're like – Be familiar with be these. Be familiar with these. <laughs> be ready to answer questions, which is an incredibly daunting task. Uh, and I remember just thinking – why? Oh, why <laughs> do I have to be familiar with all of these? And a lot of it was just, you know, staple works within the academic discipline. Fine, but one of the one of the things that things that it teaches you is the ability to process information quickly and to synthesize as well as to assess a book quickly. Because I didn't that that didn't mean read every single word mm-hmm. on every single page of these books. You you couldn't do that unless you had some sort of speed reading photographic memory. How much time did they give you? Oh, by the way, next week you're going to be need to be familiar with. Well, no, they hand that to you early in the program. Do they? And then you just okay. say, "Okay, I'm going to be ready by this point," mm-hmm. so that you can be kind of chipping away at it and that kind of thing. Okay. But what I was not ready for. Well, let me let me say it this way: what I didn't appreciate at the time, and I think my mentor Doug Moo did say this, and it didn't really register until I'd been a professor for a while. He said, you will be expected to be familiar at some level with not just books in your own academic discipline, but with popular level Christian stuff. And so you need to be able to process quickly and read quickly enough to be able to say, you know, like I was just describing earlier, spend 20 to 30 minutes with a book and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and delineating what books are worth my time and what are not, and man, oh man, he was so right. Hmm. I get asked so often by students, by people at church, by random people who email me, <laughs> "Do you have any recommendations for books on fill in the blank?" And it is all over the map. It can be mm. commentaries, which are pretty common in terms of what are your recommended commentaries for Colossians or whatever. OK. Those are easy ones to just – you know, I've created a list. I haven't published it anywhere, but I've got my own list that I give to students. Hmm. But you know, I, I'll get questions all over the map just about what's a good book to read on this? And it's remarkable. Like <laughs> – that people expect me to have this like encyclopedic knowledge of all the books out there hmm. and to be able to say, oh, yeah, you want to read this, 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 and this. So there are plenty of times where I have to say, um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But if you give me if you give me a little bit of time, I can get back to you and get you some recommendations. Hmm. But um, – I mean, that, it's just kind of part of the job, to be honest. Yeah. To have that kind of broad familiarity with literature. And how many books you read in a year? Would you say ballpark it for? I know you just eye rolled me. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to quantify that. I mean, forty, fifty. I mean, if we're if we're including all forms, like you said fi- audio, but you said audio books, audio books, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um. 
it's at a minimum probably 50. I'd say, again, it depends on what I'm working on. It's like one a week? It averages out that way. Um, yeah, if we put it that way, maybe closer to 75. Do you read, do you read on vacation? Yeah. If I can. <laughs> work, work, vaca- work books on vacation or fun books on vacation? Often both. Okay. Often both. So you're cracking open a Greek grammar on the beach? Probably not a Greek grammar. Okay. But a good biblical theology book, absolutely. Okay. Hmm. Not a Greek grammar. That's, that's, that's a bridge too far on vacation. Hmm. <laughs> that's just a bit too much. I don't need any – You're not poolside with Dan Wallace? I'm, I'm not dipping into you know uh, A.T. Robertson's 1,200-page <laughs> Greek grammar from 120 years ago or whatever. So – um, but yeah, I think um, I, I think even even for those listening who are not um, academics, um, being a good reader, I think involves picking good books to devote your time to. Yeah, you can't read everything. So if you start a book and it doesn't grab you, unless there's some compelling reason for you to be familiar with the contents, drop it. I, for the longest time, had a hard time giving up on books. That makes me laugh so much. <laughs> I, I, it just felt like I was quitting. And like, but I, I've had to learn to do it. Yeah. I mean, there. I, I'll I'll name this scholar because I, I'm confident he is not listening to the pro, to the podcast. But there's a three volume Old Testament theology set by John Goldingay. Okay. I read the first hundred plus pages of it, and it was. So I found like, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my time on this? I hope he emails you now. <laughs> I dropped it. I'm just like, this is it. Uh, so now it's just more of a reference work on the shelf if I ever want to, you know, yeah. find something I disagree with. But um, I, I think for the ordinary reader, uh, reading widely, mm-hmm. diversifying what you read, and here we'll give the plug for uh, both of us: love scribbed. The service oh, yeah. both of us uh, subscribe to. Um, it's like Netflix for books. Yep. It has both um, e-books as well as audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they're up to now. Are they up to nine or ten bucks a month probably by now? Yeah, something like that. But their library of books is impressive. Yeah, it's great. And honestly, especially for like Christian living kind of stuff, just about every Crossway book is on there. Yeah. I mean, I was stunned when I went to search for my own books and like, wow, there's a lot on here. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. Like basically anything I've written that's not a commentary in the last seven, eight years is on there. Hmm. I was stunned. And you're seeing no royalties from that, I assume. No, I don't know how that works. It feels like there's a lawsuit there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Matt Harmon versus industry. Yeah. But um, it's great to be able to uh, invest in that and then – you know, because I can feel I understand the like. Do I really want to spend twelve bucks on this? Fifteen bucks on this oh, book? Yeah. It can add up. Well, if, and then if you when you get into the academic field, some of those were forty, fifty, oh, sixty bucks. I mean, they get expensive easily. Yeah. So those would be some of our recommendations. Um, do you read on a tablet or a device, or do you have to have the? I mean, I know you have Scribd, so you must do some occasional reading on the device. Occasionally, uh, but most most of Scribd I use as audiobooks. To tell you the truth. Okay. 
Uh, but no, most of the time I like the paper book. Yeah. Most of the time. I like the convenience of the ebook sometimes yeah. uh, to be able to find things. Like I've used Scribd where I don't have a copy of a book. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I, I need to check in on that book. Uh, yeah. There's something I need from it and find it quickly. But yeah, I'm still much more of a – for anything that I want to retain, Yeah, hard copy with a highlighter. Yep. So – all right. We should probably move on, John, don't you think? Sure. Time now for This Day in Sports History, May 9th, 2023. All right. This Day in Sports History, 1987, Oriole Eddie Murray is the first to switch hit home runs in two, two consecutive games. That's really impressive when you think about how difficult it is to hit a baseball in general. Yep. And to be able to switch hit like that. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, 1989. New York Mets' Kevin Elster uh, commits an error after 88 errorless games at shortstop. In the same game, catcher Rick Cerrone errors after 159 errorless games. Did I get, did I get that last one? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. I just said it confidently and yeah. we, we let the chips fall where they may, so to speak. That's right. Uh, 1995, Cleveland Indians tie record of scoring eight runs before making an out. Uh, they beat the Twins 10 to nothing. Eight runs before making it out. That's a lot of hits, walks, errors. How many of those eight runs did the starter give up and when did he get pulled? Yeah, good question. Not sure. Uh, 2001. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, is that supposed to be Acura? No. Acura? I think it's just Acura. Acura Sports Stadium disaster. 129. Uh, Ghanian? Ghanaian. Ghanaian. Is that how that's pronounced? Yeah. From Ghana. Um, football fans die in a stampede caused by uh, the firing of tear gas by police following a decision by a referee in a crucial match between arch rivals uh, Accra Hearts of Oak and Kumasi Asante <laughs> Kotoko. Yeah. I think I did okay there. I think all right. Yeah. yeah. What do you like? Um, I could go with your Mets if you wanted to go there. Well, uh, choosing (laughs) Mets committing errors, yes. Not a fan? Um, I mean – I mean, errorless streaks have to end – we could go with Eddie Murray. I mean – Either's fine by me. I chose the last one. You choose this one. I mean, we could go the Ghanaian stadium disaster. Well, let's go positive. Let's, okay, let's Eddie skew, Murray? Yeah, let's skew positive. All right. One thing you liked. Uh, looking into the future. <laughs> That's right. Um, so this drops on May t- Tuesday, May 9th. Yep. On Sunday, May 7th, we were, I hope. <laughs> Lord willing. Uh, be. In Columbus, Ohio for uh, the installation service of our good friend Zach in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, looking into the future, I hope it was a wonderful time and we really enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and you're, you spoke, right? Or you will speak? Yes. Is that public knowledge? Well, by yeah. this point, it will be public sure. knowledge. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm doing part of the installation service. I'm doing the charge to Zach. So there will be two other speakers doing different components. I will do the direct charge to Zach. OK. So there's a charge to Zach, a charge to the church. Yep. And then a charge to – I think the other person is just kind of addressing – that church's connection to the larger Karis Fellowship and – Do you know who's speaking uh, other than yourself? Yeah. 
Yeah. Do we want to name them on, on the pod? I mean, I guess you don't have to. We could wait till we hit, we stop recording and then you can tell me. That's, okay. that's fine. Um, I don't think either of them listen to the pod. One might. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm going to go – well, actually, and I'll say I'm assuming the, the road trip there also because it's going to be you and me together yep. in the car along with Brent mm-hmm. and Gabe Yep. on the way there. And then we're going to leave you there. So you can fly out to New York. Yep, I'll take an Uber or something to the airport. And then uh, we'll come back that same day. Nice. But should be a nice. fun road trip. Uh, also that same weekend, the day before, will be my younger son's 22nd birthday and the day he graduates from here at Grace. A little bit of a twofer. Yes. And so we're having a big uh, – well, Shindig? We're having a shindig. Oh, it's not big. Family. Okay. Uh, celebrating that. Should be a good time. And uh, so my wife's family's coming in and my family's coming in for the day. Um, Jake's girlfriend's family's coming in. So it should be a good time. Nice. That'll be great. Yes. So you graduate in the morning or the afternoon? Afternoon. Ah. Which is nice because I'm in the School of Ministry Studies and that's when my graduation ceremony is. So here at Grace, we have two ceremonies, three, three or four schools in the morning, three or four schools in the afternoon. Thankfully, they line up so I don't have to sit through two oh, graduation yeah. ceremonies. So do you have to be at graduation? I'll probably show up for the morning one and then probably leave. OK. Well, this is coming out after so that no one's – you know. Yeah. I'll probably – I mean I, I, I think normally I would stick around because mm-hmm. I know more people in the second one. Yeah. But I leave for a week the next day, want to get home. Yeah. Absolutely. That makes sense. So, uh, yeah, both of us uh, selecting those by faith. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right, John, we have talked about where we are in the world when this episode drops. We have talked about our summer read, Brian Rosner, Finding Yourself, Why Looking Inward is Not the Answer. We have talked about the discipline of reading. We've talked about Eddie Murray switch hitting home runs in back-to-back games. We have talked about the installation service of Zach in Ohio. We've talked about the graduation of my younger son, Jake, from Grace College and his 22nd birthday. And so I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And all that's left to say is, until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.